Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We are in a series of messages from the most famous sermon given by Jesus as recorded by Matthew in chapters 5 through 7. This series is called Visible because we are learning that Christians are called to be the visible expression of God's kingdom on earth. So far in this series, we've heard Jesus describe what others should notice about how his followers live in areas like dealing with anger, staying faithful to a spouse, and loving enemies. But in a surprising twist, Jesus talks in chapter 6, verses 1 through 18, about three things his followers should do without others noticing. We give to the poor, pray, and fast in secret as a way of connecting with God. These spiritual practices are not unique to the Christian faith, but the reward for doing them as Christian enables us with God's power to live as the visible representation of God's kingdom. So hearing Jesus describe their place for his followers becomes all the more important as we seek to understand how to live out the Christian faith. So a life without these three disciplines is like owning a battery power tool that won't work because it is never plugged into charge. It looks like it should work, but it just has no real power and cannot be used for what it was designed to do. Listen to what Jesus says, starting in the verse 1 of Matthew chapter 6. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. All of us are tempted to believe that what we most need is the approval of others. So we are motivated daily to do things that we think will make others like us. In Jesus' day, appearing religious by giving, praying, and fasting publicly would give the impression to others of a genuine commitment to God. Now, in his sermon last week, Jake used the word poser. Have you heard this word? It is a word revived in my teenage years to describe someone who is trying to convince others they were something that they were, in fact, not. We're all tempted to do it. My most embarrassing poser phase was when I was in middle school trying to find my way into the skater community. I begged my parents for a Mike McGill skateboard with tracker trucks and slime ball wheels. I saved up and bought skate shoes and some baggy skater jeans. I had all the gear that made me look like a skater. The only problem was that I couldn't skate. I did in total over the course of my entire skating career exactly zero tricks ever. And after a short time, the skater crowd rejected me. I was a poser, and they knew it. Well, in his day, the religious leaders posed as godly people with their announced giving to the poor, loud and public praying, and dramatic displays while fasting. Jesus knew they were posers whose hearts were far from God. Their only concern was the approval of others, not the reward of God's presence in their everyday life. The crowd saw these religious leaders as godly because of their exuberant displays of spirituality, but Jesus is looking for people who will live wholeheartedly for God. A simple test as we get into this passage is, do you ever give, pray, and fast in secret? Now Jake talked about giving to the poor when he spoke in verses 2 through 4. You can find that teaching in every sermon in this series at podcast.neartownchurch.org. And today, I'm going to talk to you, or we're going to listen to Jesus talk about praying and fasting. Listen to Jesus in chapter 6, verse 5. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. So a hypocrite means something like a masked 
actor. In other words, when you pray, do not be like those people who mask themselves to appear dependent on God when their hearts are actually far from God. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward in full. If what you feel you most need is affirmation from others or popularity or to be perceived as godly, then praying publicly in first century Jerusalem would give that to you. This is the reward for eloquent, loud public prayers. He says the same thing about fasting in verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. If I think what will make me most happy is the approval of others, and I'm living among people who, am, who approve of religious behaviors, then I will be tempted to pray and fast as a mask of Christian commitment so others will like me. How about you? Do you pray and fast without others knowing? Do you feel compelled to do so? If you never or rarely pray or fast in secret, choosing only to do these things in the presence of others, this might indicate your desire to gain approval from others who see these as good. This works if you feel you'll be most happy when others approve of you. That will be your reward. Now it occurs to me that our problem may not be that we pray and fast to gain the approval of others like those to whom Jesus is talking. Our problem is that we tend not to pray and fast at all. And in our day, praying and fasting publicly will not likely make others see you more favorably. Maybe it will give you favor inside the church, but outside the church, praying and fasting publicly will make people think that you're naive and ignorant. But we don't feel any pressure to pray or fast. Additionally, most of you think that you're smart enough to do life without needing the help of other, even God's. So we don't pray and fast to get anything from God because if we're honest, we live as if we really don't need God in our daily lives. Maybe this just applies to a few, but I am daily tempted to believe that I can do life without God. I mean, sure, I'll talk to God if I get into a bind or something, but rarely, but really, for the most part, I can take care of myself with hard work, the right connections, and YouTube tutorials. So the problem may be that we feel no pressure and we live dependent on ourselves for everything. I don't know, maybe I'm off here, but, if it, but it makes no sense to learn how to pray or fast if we don't actually feel like we need God in our daily lives. And just reciting the Lord's Prayer or missing meals is meaningless unless I want this reward Jesus promises our four times in the passage. So if you're a Christian, let me ask you directly, do you pray and fast regularly? Remember, Jesus isn't saying if you pray or if you fast. Jesus says when you pray and when you fast. If not, why not? Is it because your life is knit together so safely that you don't actually need God to work? What steps of faith are you taking that will be successful only if God shows up? What problems do you face that you realize only God can solve? Or have you played life so safe that you feel very little, if any, need for God to hear and answer your prayers? Let, let me get back to the passage. Look at verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now look at verse 17 through 19 about fasting. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
So assuming we regularly pray and fast, we must never do it to gain the approval of others. Instead, we do it to receive a reward from God. What is this reward Jesus promises in verses 1, 4, 6, and 18? It has to be something more than the approval given by others. The reward is from God. Some prosperity gospel preachers say it's material wealth. Like if you give, pray, and fast, God will make you rich. And it's not, but I'm going to wait to let Jesus talk about this in my next message about storing up treasures in heaven and on earth. The reward Jesus promises is the experience of a real relationship with God from which we will receive some blessings now and some blessings after our last day on earth. For now, we get what only God can give and what we most need in life, connection with our Creator God in whose presence we will happily live no matter our earthly circumstances. Through Jesus, we get the blessing of unhindered access to the Father, and we pray and fast as a way of accessing what is already ours as Christians. That is, we pray and fast as a way of walking up to God as Father. I think often of how being a father helps me understand the Heavenly Father. You know, my kids have access to me at all times. If I'm talking to you and one of my kids comes up needing to talk to me, I'll likely turn my attention to them. Why? They're my kids and they get access to me. If I'm at work and they call, I try to always answer. I don't, they don't have to apologize for wanting my attention or for entering my presence. The advantage they have over every other person on earth is unhindered access to me, their earthly father. They can even ask for whatever they think they need and if I think they need it, I'll get it for them. I'll find a way to provide. I'm not a perfect earthly father nor am I able to give them everything they need, but that becomes my opportunity to point them to the Heavenly Father who can give them everything they need. They know they have direct access to me, their imperfect earthly father, and it helps them understand that they have unhindered access to their Heavenly Father through Jesus. The way you walk up to God is in giving, praying, and fasting. Well, how? That's the question, right? That's where we're at. Let's talk about fasting first, then we're gonna look at the model for how to pray. We don't fast every time we pray, but we pray every time we fast. So if you need a reminder to pray, I encourage you to consider fasting once or regularly as a way of focusing on God. So the word fasting literally means to cover the mouth. I get why people talk about fasting from television or social media, but there's something really powerful about fasting from food. When I fast from food, my body is alerted to my daily need for sustenance. I can live without television, but I cannot live without food. So fasting is a way of denying our immediate physical needs to focus our brains on a greater need to feast on the presence of God. As we become more aware of our need for God, we pray. So with that in mind, let's look at the prayer Jesus provides as a framework for how we ought to approach the Father. You might have heard this called the Lord's Prayer, but it's better described as the Disciples' Prayer because it teaches Christians how to pray. It's not given to us to mindlessly repeat, Instead, it provides six types of requests that help us talk to God. So the prayer has two parts, and each part has three requ requests for God. The first part, verses 9 and 10, is an acknowledgement of the greatness of God. Listen carefully to these three types of requests. Verse 9, pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Request number one means something like, let your name be shown as holy. We're saying, God, I want others to see you for who you are. You're holy, set apart, unlike any other God and worthy of our highest praise. Then request number two, verse 10, your kingdom come. 
We pray and ask God, let your kingdom be established because where it is established, there is justice and restoration and a preview of the shalom we'll experience in the new heaven and the new earth. Then we read a third type of request in this first part that acknowledges the greatness of God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to notice that the start of this model prayer focuses our hearts on the greatness of God. We talk to God about God before we talk to God about people. God is holy, so we want people to know that he is holy. His kingdom is good, so we want God to establish his kingdom, to bring heaven to earth. His will is true, so we submit to the will of God. This leads us to the second part, verses 11 through 13. And here we find a list of requests for God about our lives. Verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. This fourth request concerns our physical needs. Jesus is inviting us to ask the Father to provide daily. It literally reads, we pray, give me what I need for today. Proverbs 30, verse 8, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. But our needs are not just physical. Jesus gives us words for a fifth type of request about our greatest spiritual need, the forgiveness of sin. Look at verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. As people who still make mistakes, we still need forgiveness as we're being transformed into people who want to look more like Jesus. And just as we express our need for forgiveness, we ask God to help us forgive those who sin against us. Now look at verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The sixth and final type of request leads us to ask God that we never be led into a place where we are unable to resist temptation. So Jesus provides in five verses a six-part framework to help us talk to God. And when we're due, we're rewarded with a special connection with God that meets our greatest need for Him to be present in our life. So how will you respond? The question for any of you who did not call yourself a Christian is, will you surrender to God and make Jesus king of your life? If you do, then giving and praying and fasting will be for you a way of receiving God's presence in your life. The question for all of you who identify yourselves as Christians is not, will you pray and fast? Instead, the question is, when will you pray and fast? So here is my call to action. Commit yourself this week to pray before you start your work week. Try it for six days until we meet again. Use this model prayer to give you a framework for praying. And if you really want to connect with God, fast from one meal this week, choosing instead to take that time that you'd be eating to pray. Let the hunger pains make you feel your need for God's presence in your life. If you do, don't tell anyone. God will know. And if you do, you will be rewarded by God. So what will you do with these words from Jesus? Let's think on and pray about these things.